Hello there and welcome to the We Are Imps podcast. This week we've gone remote. I'm in London and my guest today is in Manchester and it's fair to say that he is a certified club legend. He made over 100 appearances, scoring 57 goals in between two stints before taking a little pit stop at New Zealand as well, whether it is a hat-trick against Grimsby, belters against Torquay or knocking Scunthorpe out of the playoffs. This is a man that has given this club many, many memorable moments and memories indeed. It is, of course, Simon. Yo, yo, yo. <laughs> Simon, how are you? I'm fine, thank you very much. Thanks for asking. Good man. Uh, brings back some memories, doesn't it? And not just my bad chanting either. It certainly does. <laughs> Uh, I've had worse, so don't worry. Talk to us about some of those memories then. Uh, I mentioned three there. Which ones stick out for you when you look back on your time at the club? I think the, the probably the, the biggest one is, well, like you say, the at-trick at Grimsby. But I think the biggest one, which I think took me forward, was probably the Torquay game. Uh, he, he brought, Keith said to me, uh, eight minutes to go, I think. He said, go on and get me a goal. So obviously I said I will, Gaff, I will. Anyway, uh, I did, and uh, the the rest is history, shall we say? Yeah, I mean, what is a moment like that? What does it mean to you? And you know, I'm sure it's a it's one of those where many fans have watched it back on YouTube hundreds, if not thousands, of times. And you look at the the I hate to use this term, but the limbs in the crowd. It's a huge moment for the club and a big moment for you personally as well. Oh, definitely, definitely. I mean, it was uh, one nil to Torquay. And uh, you you could sense the nervousness in the crowd, uh, and like I say, um, obviously the touch come over, the ball come over, and it just set up nice for a volley. So obviously, uh, I decided to volley it, and and touch wood, it went in. And yeah, it's 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 just such a relief when you when you're on a barren spell, uh, you're not scoring, you're doing extra training, and then uh, yeah, the extra training did pay off in the end. Uh, and, you know, like I say, the rest is history. But it, it's a great feeling. Just scoring a goal is a great feeling, to be fair. Yeah, I mean, how do you how do you deal with the come down almost? Because you, you speak to many footballers and they say there is no feeling in the world like yeah. scoring a goal. So how have you dealt with that personally, maybe since you've, you've stopped playing? Uh, well, I've not stopped playing and still play Sunday league, but yeah, from from a professional view, it's uh, it's it's difficult. It's re- more of a relief. Uh, it was more of a relief to just to get that goal, settle down, and then, like I say, the rest is history. Uh, we played then scud in the playoffs, and I just couldn't stop scoring. You've scored so many big goals for this club. Um, you know, when you look back at just some of them, whether it's you know, against Swansea, Bournemouth. Um, Kidderminster in there I can think of as well. The aforementioned Torquay, Grimsby. You were often a man for the big occasion. Is there something about the extra pressure that that means something more almost? Why is it that you were able to perform at your best when the the biggest pressure was on, if you like? I I think mainly it's down to, obviously it's a team game as well, team performance, the players you play with. You train in, train day in, day out. Uh, and I think Keith had a big influence on my career as well. Uh, and obviously, to Keith and his, his his team talks, he'd get you to he'd, he'd do his full team talk, then he'd get you to one side, and he taught you, he'd put belief in yourself. And uh, and I think you know I I owe, I owe Keith a lot to be fair. So um, 
But I think it's more down to Keith giving you the belief, if you know what I mean. It's it's I I I do put it down to Keith and obviously playing with players. Is that what a lot of players, obviously in particular yourself, are looking for from a manager? We can talk about tactics all day, whether it's in the modern game, whether it's 10, 15, 20 years ago. Are you looking for someone to actually go up to, particularly as a striker and like going through a bit of a barren spell, like you mentioned before, before that Torquay game that comes up to you, puts an arm around your shoulder and goes, no, you've got this. You've scored God knows how many clubs, uh, God knows how many goals for us in the past. You're going to do it again. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's like, because obviously we had uh, Simo as well. Simo would be doing the footballing. So, like I say, extra training. We'd do extra training and he'd keep me out and he'd we'd put little sessions on. Um, so that would be the footballing side covered. But on on the flip side, you had then a Keith that was a manager that put belief in yourself. And uh, he did. He did. And he was, he was one of them managers where you'd run through brick walls for him. And that's... I, th- I think that's why um, I fitted him well at the club to start off with because he brought us in um, with players that have been from non-league and he's, he got us all settled down straight away. And it was some team that you had in both of the occasions that you played for the club. Tell yeah. us what some of those players were like to play with. What was the <laughs> what was the camaraderie like as well? Tell us what well, you can. <laughs> well, I mean, you had Mazza, the, the experience. So we'll start with Mazza in goal. He, he was a bit of a funny guy. He had he had a lot of experience. Then you had Bimo. He was there. He'd been there a few years. Uh, who else was there? Then right back, Mark Bailey. Uh, then we brought Futch and Weaves in two centre-halves. Regaini in the middle and Butcher, Richard. Which, um, he was in the middle of the park. And then we, we had like myself, myself, Dean Cropper. And I think... We used to, I, th- I think, obviously you've got the football inside, the trainings, um, your tacticals, your, your mental stuff. And then on the opposite side, we had a team that would go out together. You'd have six or seven lads going out, you know, on a, well, not all the time, obviously, but if we did well, we went out um, and um, we'd have a good um, social side, shall we say. And that's how we got to blend with each other, get to know each other, uh, know what people like, what we like doing, what, what our best assets, and that's and that's as well down to Keith because Keith knew we were going out. So did Simo. Um, so I think we, with him, uh, with his backing as well, we all got to uh, know each other, and and that's how we we did well as a team because we were obviously gelling together. Do you think all teams back then, a had the sort of camaraderie that? that you boys did as a as a club, as a squad, as a team? Or, or do you think it was a case that this was just a unique group of players? It's every so often, I hear a lot of footballers say, it's only a couple of times in your career where you come again, where you come alongside a bunch of lads that you just gel with. Do you think teams, you know, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, whether it was a Grimsby, yeah. whether it was a Scunthorpe, do you think they were all going out as well and getting along as, as well as you boys did? Uh, I can't answer that one, to be honest. But what I can answer is, is like I said, is that we all come together from different backgrounds, different leagues, and we all got together. And Keith, like it was like basically like a cake, and all the ingredients, which for those, he made a, I won't say perfect cake, but he made a near perfect cake. Uh, so, in a sense, I'm not sure what other teams did, but we for some reason just gelled with each other. 
Um, I, I read an interview that you did. I can't remember who it was with. It might have been with four four two, but you 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 took them through your your one to eleven of teammates, if you like. A lot of the the men the players that you've mentioned there. One of those was, of course, Richard Butcher. I think in the interview you said the best engine I've ever seen. You said a couple of other things about him, which uh, were very complimentary, but did include swear words. So I won't mention them now. But you yeah, did yeah. say <laughs> box to box players, a box to box player who could score goals. He had the worst banter ever, though. But he should have yeah. played at a higher level. I mean, just tell, give listeners and, and viewers an idea of just what a good player and what a good person Richard Butcher was. Well, you just hit the nail on the head. Box to box player. Um, and I did say he's got an engine. He could get forward. He can get backwards. He can go sideways. He could cover every blade on the pitch. His passing was not bad, but his shooting was also um, decent as well. Um, and he was such a lovely guy. Uh, we used to rip him a lot. He was one. Of, he was just an easy target. To be fair, um, you know, I think one of the funniest moments I've seen with Butch is we'd. we'd I think we'd gone out to Ritzy. Uh, and next minute, his mum and dad are on the dance floor, and all the lads are just going, "Why have you brought your parents out?" And uh, obviously, he took a lot of banter for that. But yeah, what him and Pete again, amazing. The two in the middle, because that's you know, that's how we played at the time. Box to box players going out the front and obviously out the back. And uh, yeah, he was a wonderful lad. And it, even today, I still speak to his mother. Uh, he, he's very sadly missed. Absolutely. One player that we haven't touched on yet is Gary Taylor Fletcher. And in that oh. very interview, you said quick and very skillful. I used to love him running at defences because he could turn them inside out, which meant that he could create and and make chances. And I think that was probably the big thing. That was probably why you two work so well together. Yeah, yeah. Me, Fletcher. Again, it's it's a forwards, it's a it's a forward club. Um, like I say, he, you know, we used to talk together, train together, um, and we just it's off. We, we gelled. I know Fletch come from non-league Northwich, um, but some of his uh, touches in training, some of his skills and that, his techniques and that was, uh, was, <laughs> well, it was awesome. It was fantastic. Pleasure to play with. Um, if we, if we look at that, that 2003, four season, Simon, what, what was it like for you? Which memories stick out? I know we've spoken a little bit about some of them. Obviously there are, a lot of big, big moments in there. Which ones for you stick out? Oh, uh, bloody hell. That's a question. Um, 2003. I think, I, I, again, it's... I'm, I'm going to go back to, to, to the football club itself and, and obviously the things behind the scenes because I... I never, when obviously semi-pro, I thought it was disciplined and all and everything. So you have your routines and that. When I come to Lincoln, it was like, um, how can I put it? A first, a first player to meet was Mazza. And he was, all right, mate, how are you? You know, a bit of a chirpy lad. And I'm thinking, oh, here we go. And then obviously I got to meet Futch and, and Butch and, and, and everyone. Uh, Futch and uh, Weaver. Um, and it, it was just, how can I put it? It was just like, we're at a football club here. Um and a lot of the lads just used to like having a laugh, you know, um, a lot of banter. Even the uh, even the old boys were. Um, so, like your Bim, not old boys, like your Bimos and your Andy, uh, Mark Bailey's. Um, and it, it was just, I just, um, I just really enjoyed playing for Lincoln, especially the first two years. 
But footballing-wise, um, what sticks out for me was, <laughs> I think I got 20, 24, 25 that season. There's got to be a few in there. You scored 24 goals. Yeah. You're telling me there's not any, uh, there's not any moments. Uh, I, mean, I mean, I think, I think, I think it was um, we all know about the playoffs um, but I think I think we played Kiddy at home and I th- yeah I think it was, it was Kiddy's, Kiddyminster at home and uh, I think I'm about 25 30 yards out and I think I think the keeper that was that was um, that, that was a good goal did also the playoffs did you used to practice those sorts of moments because how do I put this your, your, your way of finishing I felt was quite unique uh, I mean, there's an argument, really. I don't know if anyone's ever said this to you before, but the the way you used to finish goals was almost like Michael Owen-esque. It was almost like a sort of... It was like, how have you managed to move... Strange way of putting it, but how have you managed to move your feet so that you've you've kicked it in that way? That is a really basic way of saying that, if you get what I'm saying. But was yeah, it all completely yeah. instinct, or was it something that you practised? A lot was instinct, but... Yeah, a lot was instinct. But I always say to players... When, when they've got the ball or running, running at people, get a picture in your head. Think of what you want to do with the ball. So, when you, so what I mean by that is, let's say I'm one-on-one with a fullback. I'm running at the fullback with a ball. You have a quick look up, see where the fullback is, see where the two centre are, see where the other fullbacks are, see where the keeper is. And just have a look, see where uh, your teammates are. Yeah, quick glance. It's only a quick glance, but the brain's pretty good at, you know, obviously remembering pictures and all that. Like. And that's what I always say to people. Then decide what you want to do. Do you want to get in one-on-one? Do you want to go down the line? Do you want to come inside? Do you want to give a one-two? Do you want to go to the back stick? And that's what I always say to say to football lads at, at my Sunday league team. Just get a picture in your mind and that's all over the gaff and then see where it goes. And that's yeah. what I always used to say to them. I mean, it's great advice. Uh, I mean, you're certainly well placed to give it as well. Do you, do you miss it? You obviously mentioned that you you're still playing, you're still you're still coaching as well. But you know, how much do you miss it? And tell us about what you're doing now. Yeah, well, obviously you all miss the football. I think the only thing I don't miss is the pre-seasons. But uh, yeah, I, I do miss the banter in the room and uh, sorry, in the changing rooms. Uh, I miss the day to day with with your coaches and you know the gaffer and, and your players. But uh, yeah, so. At the moment, I just play non-league. Uh, I've been out last year, not not played much last year because um, I've had a back injury. So it, I think old age is, is starting to kick in. I'm now 50, but I, I still like me running, still like me cycling, and I'm still playing at the moment. So, yeah, I'm enjoying it. Look, I'm 50 now. I, I still love kicking a ball. still love doing my charity games as well. So, yeah, you know, it's... Uh, it's, it's a journey. It's coming to an end, but it's not going to come to an end yet. It, it was such a varying journey towards professional football as well, wasn't it, Simon? Just tell yeah. us about some of the roles that you had, you know, before you were a professional player uh, and what it was like. Maybe I'll pluck out, you know, travelling around Europe with the combat services, am I right in yeah. saying? Something like yeah. that. You know, how much do those... Um, sort of life experiences shape you as both a person and a footballer? Because these days, I guess, for aspiring footballers, it's very much a case of get to an academy young, play football, education as well, and then play. Whereas you've Mm. had that sort of complete circle of life before you've even become a pro player. Yeah. Well, 
uh, obviously 17, 18, I was a little idiot. Um, basically, I was a little idiot. And uh, I joined the army. Um, obviously, I did a couple of tours, come back. Then we started playing football. So it was company level. Then it went to uh, battalion level, which was my regiment, Cheshire's. Then it went to infantry, which is all the infantry is in the UK. And then it went to, obviously, army. Um, met some good players there, Lee Bradbury, uh, Justin Whittle, Gary Hall, uh, and then once army it goes to combined services, which is the whole in- entire army. And um, yeah, um, didn't really do much at military work after that because I was always touring with the football lads. Um, but that brought me discipline. That brought me respect and discipline to the game, even though I did get sent off a couple of times. Um, but yeah, that that really that that that's what set me going. That basically. Is, is the military, which is obviously very grateful. Um, but then I left the military, come out, played non-league, semi-professional for Hyde. They had, had four great years there under, under a gaffer called Mike McKenzie. Um, I think average 35, 40, yeah, 120 goals in four seasons I got for Hyde. And that's when Keith came along. Um I was told that Crew Alexander was looking at me uh, by the wife because someone had phoned up. So I'm getting a bit giddy here, thinking, "Yeah, I'm going to Crew." Next minute, I got a phone call. It's uh, it's Keith Alexander. So I, I said to her, "I was I was a bit disappointed, but after that, after speaking to Keith and meeting him and signing for Lincoln, I wasn't." <laughs> yeah, I mean, can you just give us a sense? And I know we've we've touched on Keith a little bit earlier on in the podcast, but just give us a sense of of what conversations were like with him. I mentioned before about the idea that it, how important it is to actually put your arm around a player and give him that boost yeah. that he might need. But what was it about the way he spoke to players that galvanised you, made you want to be a part of the club and made you want to perform? I think it's the way he spoke to you and looked after you. The guy had a, had a, had a, had a charisma about him. It was just something about him that how he spoke to you, how he told, you know, how he grabbed your arm around you. Some needed that, some didn't. I didn't. I mean, I, I can think of a situation where I played two or three games, then he put he put me on the bench and he said, I think you need a rest. So I, you know, because I knew the man and, and loved the man, I, I, and I thought, I think, I didn't say it to him. I, I thought, I think your decision's wrong, but I accept what you're doing. And he was always one of them people you could go up to, you could ask him questions, and he'd just be straight, straightforward giving answers. And um, he, he was just like a gentle giant. And uh, like I say, he, he was just, he just his charisma, and he, he was such a nice guy as well. Let's fast forward then and go towards the end of 2005, Simon. You obviously leave leave the club and move to New Zealand. It felt at the time from a from a supporter's perspective quite a left field move. Was it something that you always wanted to do? Did you see New Zealand as the place where you were going to move, where you were going to go and play your football or was it one of those that just came out of the blue? No, it's just one of those that came out of the blue. Uh, and I, I, did, I spoke to uh, Keith about it and Keith's words were, if, you do, if it doesn't work out, we'll have you back. And... Obviously, that happened. But, um, yeah, it, it was one of them just come out of the blue. And I think my contract was up. Um, contracts were being sorted out. Um, 
And like I say, I, I spoke to Keith about it and we, we, we sat down, we chatted and uh, he gave me his blessing, basically. Um, obviously, it didn't. Wife couldn't settle, uh, took my kids over. And uh, yeah, that 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 was that was some that was some uh, journey that. But um, yeah, I came back and and Keith, he said to me, like I said, I spoke to him. He said, "You're more than welcome to come back here," because I think at the time uh, it was Oxford. Oxford wanted me to sign for them uh, with my mate Lee Bradbury. <laughs> he was there and he was saying, "Come down here." I mean, they were throwing money at me, but. I wanted to go back to the place where I knew, if you know what I mean, and, and work with the manager that had, uh, that had put faith in me. So, you know, like I say, I, um, I came back to Lincoln. Yeah, because I don't know how many fans knew that you were coming back, but I remember being, I can't remember who we were playing. I'm going to pluck out Yeovil, but I can't quite remember. It was an evening game. I was sat in the then Echo stand, as it was, went with my dad. Yeah. And I remember... Alan Long at half time introducing you on the pitch, and I nearly choked in my Bovril because I had no idea that you were coming back <laughs> to the club. I don't know how many fans in the stadium did. Maybe there were a few that that had a good inkling that you were returning, but I certainly didn't. And I just remember the the hairs on the back of my neck standing up, thinking, "The LDA is coming back." Um, what was mm. that like for you? Oh, well, like I say, it, it, it was a, it was a non gone no, it was a non gone um, decision of mine. Um, because like I said, I did speak to Keith and Keith said to me, yeah, everything's good. Get yourself back here. We'll have you. And like I say, all the teams were sniffing, but there was only one place I was going. And that was obviously back to Lincoln. I forgot to mention as well, actually, one of your first games for New Zealand Knights, as as they were, not sure if they're still called New Zealand Knights now, but they certainly were back Wellington, then. Wellington Phoenix now. Wellington Phoenix, of course, they've they've changed the name, haven't they? Yeah. Uh, it was against uh, Sydney FC and and Dwight York, am I right? Dwight York, yeah. Did you have any dealings yeah. with Dwight? Were there a few similarities? Two of you both moving over from Europe to to the other side of the world. We did, yeah. We I was quite. I think we played them five times. There's only twenty four games in the, in the season, but you played uh, your pre seasons as well, and uh, I think we played them in pre season as well. So I must have spoke to him about three times. And he was he was telling me stories, you know, just talking about, you know, what are you doing over there, you know, blah blah blah. And he he asked the same thing. And we just had a good chat. It, it was really good. It was um, how could I put it? It was it was strange to see Dwight York. You know, he used to play for United uh, in an opposition team. So yeah, I, I I'm lost for words if you know what I mean. But it, it was really good. It was really good. So take us back to the season that you returned to the club then, um, because I. From what you're saying there, and, and I guess from from the fans' perspective as well, it was very much a case of unfinished business. You, you've told yeah. us before you had the likes of Oxford almost throwing money at you, really. But unfinished business and a season that you know it was oh so close in the end, wasn't it? But it it was quite a roller coaster of a season and the sort of season that as a footballer and as the striker of a football club you want to be a part of. Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, well. Anyone that plays at a football club, you know, wants to win trophies and win things. But I think it was again the playoffs. Was it the playoffs again? Was it playoffs? I can't remember who played in the playoffs. But yeah, like so I said, it was Mansfield, wasn't it? No, but, sorry, Macclesfield. No, Macclesfield in the playoffs. Yeah, Macclesfield. We played them. And, Macclesfield yeah. in the playoffs, and then obviously that game at the Millennium. Yeah. State. Mac- yeah. What was that yeah. like being at the Millennium Stadium? I think there was, we certainly outnumbered the, the South End fans at the time. I, I think everyone went there with the belief that it was going to be job done. And it just, it was just one of those days, wasn't it? 
Well, yeah, I mean, I had scored. I was onside. Um, that's that stuck out in my mind. But we, we, you know, I think I think we were more prepared that time. Uh, obviously, the first time it was at Bournemouth, and it was, the first time it was just like, wow, we're here. You know, we're here. How, how are we here? You know, we've tipped for relegation. But I think the first time, and the first time it was just like um, unsurreal. Um, so we, we were a bit giddy. Um, but the second time, I think we were more focused. Um, we knew what we had to do. We knew what we did, what we had to do to get the job done. And I thought, I thought, you know, regardless of my offside goal, which was onside, I thought we we should have we should have won the game. But again, one of them. It was um, what's he called up front for the um, South End? I can't. He, he scored. Freddie Eastwood. Freddie Eastwood, yeah, and you just—it's like a sucker punch, you know. You get the wind sucked out here, and it's just—it's a horrible feeling. It's not nice, um, but yeah, we were gutted. We were gutted. But like you say, it's—it's it's one of those, isn't it? It's, it's a sucker punch. Yeah, it's almost. Well, it felt like it—it it was another one of those that brings the club almost closer together. You obviously want the promotion, but to go that far and to have the sort of season that the club did, it's almost a raw feeling where you're like, okay, well, we feel a sense of unity now, but maybe for you, did it feel like it, that you were coming to the end? So was that, was it a different feeling? I don't know. Uh, not, not so much. It was coming to an end. It was just, it, it was a feeling of despair. You know, we've, we've been in four um, playoffs two semis and two finals and we've lost another final. Um, again, I can moan on about the goal and that, but was it fate? I don't know. I I, I, I couldn't, couldn't, couldn't tell you, to be honest. But again, it, like I say, it was disappointing and, and the lads, we, I think it hit us hard because I think we started to separate after that. Was it 2006? Yeah, because I, th- I think didn't Keith leave? Sc- I think we left to go to Peterborough. I think yes. was it that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And um, going on to that little, but I think um, we're all out of contracts as well. So um, there was a, there was a bit going on behind. So I'm told off Simo, but um, yeah, it's it, it was despair. You know, we've, we've been there four times and we've not come away with a victory, shall we say? Is it difficult when? when things are going on behind the scenes and, and this goes for any player at any club, doesn't it? I, I can't relate to it, obviously having never played professional football, but you know, in one sense, you're trying to do your job. You're trying to, you're trying to appease the the employers that are paying you. You're trying to appease the the fans in the, in the stadium who are cheering you on when you're doing well, but no doubt having a bit of a go if things aren't going yeah. so well. And you've got your own contract to be dealing with as well. What is, what's that like as a footballer to try and, you know, comprehend? Well, for me, it, it was a non-gone solution. I just left everything. When, when I you know, get in the training park, I want to play football. That's all I want to do. Also, I, I, you know, I just want to play with my mates at football, with football, go do my training, and we come back, relax, have dinner, whatever, go do a bit of um, weight training, whatever, do something in the afternoon. But as far as I'm concerned, football was football. And I even say to the wife, look, she never got involved with football because she knew that was my what my biggest love, shall we say. Even though we've been married twenty-eight years, she always you know used to say to me, "Yeah, I know I won't I won't get involved." But football for me is 
you know, getting on that pitch, going out training, have a bit of a laugh, um, enjoy playing with your mates and then uh, going home and socialising with them, shall we say. One team we've not mentioned yet is Boston United. Um, you did score a few goals against them, but I know there are a few games probably where you look back that were a little bit frustrating as well. Um, right in saying sent off in the 2002-03 season? Um, I don't know. I'll have to look back on that. that and either correct me or... <laughs> um, this is normally the way. And then my other note is that you got injured. No comment. <laughs> uh, and I wasn't at this one. I wasn't at that one, actually, I must say. But I wasn't at this one either. But my other note is that you got injured in 2005-06. Yes. And yeah. then you were driving back from the game. Can you remember? I'm guessing you can remember what happened. And if you can, can you talk us through it? Oh, the injury. Yeah. So yeah. You driving, it... Well, you no, not the injury, but what happened? What what followed then? Because you were driving back, and unless the interview was wrong, I read that the the journey back nearly cost you your life. Oh, you mean on the way home? Yes. <laughs> yes. Just, just yes. a small matter of uh, of nearly dying on the way home. Oh, Woodhead. Yeah. 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 Basically, obviously, Woodhead. The A fifty seven. It links Stockport to to obviously Sheffield. It's Hilly. A lot of people know what I'm talking about. Uh, yeah, I was going going back and um, got to the top of the uh, main highest point, and uh, this, this this cloud just come from nowhere, and and the snow it, it, it just come out of nowhere. Anyway, I lost, I lost. Um, Tried to slow down, but it was too late, and I started skidding. Anyway, um, my car ended up clipping. This was this wasn't skidding. I'm going from left to right, clipping the curb, then flipping over and landing in a ditch. Um, obviously, there's a fence post about five yards away from me. Um, all I can remember of it was uh, in the ashtray, I used to have pound coins. Uh, I could just me remember them, coins and all that, hitting me in the face and then just coming to a shudder halt and being hit with, like... Uh, uh, mud, mud and water, um, the bog. Sorry, the bog that that, that landed in. Um, so yeah, um, when I come out and next minute, all I can remember is police being there and taking me down to the to the pub. Uh, but if I'd have done that, probably about two hundred, three hundred yards on the left, I, w I won't be here because <laughs> it's, it's steep hill. Well, it was good of them to take you to the pub after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was a bit shaken until the wife came and picked me up, and then obviously the car. But it, it, it was just, it, it was just something. It was just this wave, wave um, of mist that just hit me, and I, I couldn't see. And next minute, I was there, there, and everywhere. Yeah, it, was, it was weird. I mean, do, does a moment like that change your perspective? A word that you've used a couple of times on this podcast so far is grateful. Uh, and gratitude is obviously a big thing. It's something that's talked about probably now more so than ever, but. When you have what is clearly that a near-death experience, does it change your philosophy, change your perspective? Not really, no, because I had to do that every <laughs> nearly every week. So yeah, so no, you just had to get on and, and get get on with it. To be fair, that's fair enough. I don't, sorry, that's the answer. <laughs> um, um, let's move on then. What about the state that the club is in now? Uh, time of recording, we've we've we're off the back of a brilliant victory against Cambridge. 
the Michael Skubala era well and truly fully in motion at the moment, Simon. What are you making of, firstly, the impact that, that he's had at the club? And just give us a general oversight into your, your thoughts on where Lincoln City are uh, in this very moment. Well, he's not had a bad start. So I, I think um, I think there's good things to come. Now, I was speaking to a Leeds fan and, and they were actually purring about him. They were saying, you know, he did, they all had good words about him. So I was like, well, I don't know anything about him. And they were all buzzing. Well, they weren't buzzing, but they were disappointed to have left it, let him go or gone to, gone to, the, um, gone to Lincoln. So I was like, all oh, right, okay, I look forward to it. Obviously, Mark Kennedy, what can I say? He did all right for the club, I suppose. Um, he won a few games. He lost a few games. That's how management is. Um, could he have kicked on? Who knows? That's football. But with uh, Michael Scabava coming in, let's hope, um, let's hope he does take us to the next level. Because I think Mark, Mark Kennedy was a bit mid-table-ish. Um, so I think by being, obviously, they got rid of him and obviously brought Michael Scabara in. So um, let's hope that we can get promotion because I think the championship would be the, the next level that hopefully he can, he can take us up to. Yeah, I mean, that was my next question. The, the obvious one is, do you think this club is, is on the way to the championship? And I guess when you look at the League One table this year, it is pretty open. There is an opportunity there to maybe take advantage because it comes in cycles, doesn't it? And the same could be said for 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 two thousand and five six when you look back. But there are those those years where you think, okay, there's a couple of clubs that might come down next season that are going to splash the cash. That might be a real sort of um, difficult team to break down, if you like. But actually, this year there's an option there. Well, who knows? Football's football. Um, if you can get another couple more wins, that'll take us right up there. Um, has he got the ability to do that? Like I say, I spoke to Leeds fans. More than enough, more than enough. They were all like uh, purring about him. So, I th- I mean, I don't know how what, what, what kind of uh, situation the club is with funds-wise, but I think we should be in a de- very good position, sorry. Um, and let's hope the club will back the gaffer. Because um, I think after four games, play two, uh, play four, one, two, drew one, lost one. It's not bad, not a bad start. Just listening to you speak, I mean, it seems like this club is is still very much, you know, close to your heart, Simon. Obviously, still living in Stockport, you were back at the time yeah. when you were playing for them. You know the results, you know how they're getting on. You obviously keep an eye on them as well. Give us a sense into, into just what the club, the people at it mean to you. Ah, oh, well, uh, the people that, that uh, know me in Lincoln, uh, especially some of them at the Shakespeare, the Shakespeare pub on the ice street, yeah, they know me. But yeah, I've, I've made a lot of friends. Like I say, I've made a lot of friends in Lincoln. Uh, a lot of them were on Facebook, so I still speak to them. Um, I won't say day in, day out, but still in regular contact with him. Um, I, like I say, I, I've always I've always been welcomed at Lincoln and uh, I like coming back. I like doing the, um, the ex-players when we come back and with Gavin Gordon. And uh, I like, like I say, I like coming back and, and just talking to people about stories and, you know, just watching the games and enjoying myself, shall we say. Because it's it's a club that that, that welcome me, and uh, I'll, I'll always be grateful on that one.
good man. And just give us an insight then into into exactly what you're doing now. We've touched on it a little bit, bit of coaching in there, bit of a Sunday league as well. <laughs> What's life for Simon Year like at the moment? Oh, it's uh, I'm getting old now. I'm, I'm getting a bit tired. Uh, no, um, yeah, just like I say, uh, I'm working still at the airport, um, still doing that. Uh, as for football wise, it's uh, it's Sunday league for me now. I've dropped to I've dropped dropped down. Um, love my coaching. Do a bit of coaching with the lads. Love to coach, especially the older boys, because I think um, they take more information on rather than youngsters. But um, yeah, still love football. Still like keep, keeping in touch with players. Um, still look for results at Lincoln. Um, Still on a few of the uh, the fans' websites, so I still listen to him moan and this, that, and the other. You can't please some people, can you? But uh, yeah, listen, I I always keep in touch with with a few million friends as well. So I always always keep in touch, and I'm just going day to day now, I suppose. Well, Simon, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the uh, the We Are Imps podcast, and we look forward to seeing you at the LNER very very soon indeed. Certainly will, yeah, definitely. I look forward to it.